Hey, what's going on? This is the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's up, man? Well, you know, just going through a mix of selfish concerns, existential fear, and, and boredom. So it's it's just another Tuesday. Yeah, what I have found striking the last week is that I would have thought, look, when I was training for a half marathon a couple years ago, one day a week, I would do sprints. The logic was, and the science is, that sprinting will help you with the half marathon. Um, it'll help you get your speed up and your time down and things like that. And it's a, you know, you get kind of a, a more balanced workout. As it turns out, the anxiety sprints that I have been dealing with for the last 10 to 33 years did not prepare me adequately for the anxiety <laughs> marathon that we've all been running this last uh, week or two. It's been a lot, man. It, it has. Like, I feel weird saying, like, mentally it hasn't really con- concern. Not concern. I'm concerned. But, like, I don't feel overwhelmed in the way that lots of people are. Like, I, I'm, you know, concerned about my grandmother. I'm concerned about you know, my parents and my friend's parents, like heeding warnings. There's been a, you know, not to be an ageist, but there's been a lot of baby boomer uh, uh, feeling of indestructibility, I guess, (laughs) Um, that's been going around. Uh, I'm certainly nervous about what other people are doing, but, you know, and the decisions they're making and, and the government seem to be at least catching up to that and getting more serious and and definitely more punitive toward restaurants and stuff about it. But like personally, it, it's not weighing on me in the way that I think it's weighing on a lot of people. And I don't really have a good reason to explain this, like other than what you just said isn't working for you. That like every day I spend like worrying about something and, and sort of... Uh, it sort of prepared me for this moment uh, of actual uh, constant state of fear. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's that or, or you know, I just, I feel invincible myself. Who knows? I mean, I think it's going to be different for everyone, right? Like I, part of, and, and look, we're not working quite as much or as dil- as vigilantly as we were prior to this, but a big part of our job requires being on Twitter a lot. And I think a big part of being a responsible citizen and something like this is staying as informed as you can. But sure. it's kind of like the first days after the 2016 election where it just seems like it never stops. And there's just like one thing on top of the other on top of the other. And I don't say that to like politicize it. I just mean in terms of volume of news that you have to keep up with and the negativity of the news that you have to keep up with. Um, you know, I'm I'm like you in that I don't. I don't really worry about myself. I'm obviously not invincible, but I'm in my early 30s and I'm pretty healthy and I don't I'm not my concerns don't come for me personally as much as they do for the general situation and, you know, more vulnerable or less responsible people in my life. It has been a struggle trying to convince my friends who don't live in giant cities that this is a real thing and that you still should be practicing things like social distancing in a town of a hundred thousand or a town of a thousand. Um, so that's been a little concerning and a little frustrating. Um, but I don't know. I, I also, you know, I live with roommates and our house is split into multiple apartments and, you know, you're relying so much on other people taking care of themselves and taking all the necessary precautions as well. And then you have people like my, 
uh, alma mater, Queens, just basically flipping off the virus. Um, you know, I was joking with our friend uh, James Herbert the other day that it would, it, obviously, <laughs> this is an awful thing to say, but it would at least be nice if the virus were um, selective. Like, like if we found out this virus was just out for respect and anyone who paid it the proper respect was fine, um, that would be great. But that's not the case. You wouldn't have people like Tom Hanks and Idris Elba and Donovan Mitchell testing positive, I guess. And you wouldn't have thousands of early 20s, late teens just partying and drinking with absolutely no concern. Yeah, so that's, that's where most of my anxiety lies, is in the actions of everyone else and the fact that, you know, I, I know there's the whole 60-40 thing of that it's the 60% of us who are overvigilant that if it gets under control, we'll kind of give the ammo to the 40% who say we're overreacting. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot to just like be in a situation where the fate of everyone kind of rests in the hands of the collective, that's pretty stressful. Yeah, and, like, certainly the early days here, before, like, the provincial state of emergency that came down on Tuesday, before restaurants and and the light, and gyms were ordered to be closed on Mondays, like, like even on the weekend, my gym was, was still open at the time and sending out emails, you know. Warning, well, you got to get a pump in. You no, know, warning everybody to be, you know, vigilant if you're experiencing symptoms, don't come, blah, blah, blah. And like part of my brain, like I'm just going to be honest, part of my brain was like, well, I've paid for a membership. Uh, it's important for me to work out and, and get some, you know, to the extent that it will help my anxiety and will help me physically. Like, this is something that I should be doing that's good for me. And then like most of my brain was like, Eric, you're an idiot. Listen to people stay inside because not only because you don't want to spread things, but because you can't trust people not to spread them to you. Like no matter how many warnings there are about using, you know, eight wipes for every minute or, or whatever, that's, you know, mm-hmm. further going to expect our, our uh, impact our climate crisis, which we could all get back to worrying about existentially. Yeah, you want to talk about over. the boomer reaction to things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's, it's just, you know, if you take too much time, it certainly multiplies, you know, a concern multiplies on a concern and com- multiplies on a concern. And, you know, I'm really more than like waiting for the borders to completely close. I'm glad that like, in Ontario and in Toronto, we're taking these steps to close restaurants and close gyms and close, you know, any places it seems, but the essentials, your your supermarkets and your drugstores, um, and uh, to to really do what we can. Hopefully, we've acted early enough, and hopefully, when people are in those places, they're you know they're making essential runs and they're still practicing uh, whatever caution they can in those situations. Yeah, we need to flatten the curve and we need to flatten it not only to the extent, you know, you see the graphs and it looks like, oh, at first the curve is like Marcus all standing up and then you want to flatten it to Kyle Lowry laying down. We want to flatten that shit to Chris Boucher laying down is what we really <laughs> want to do here. Uh, speaking of the Raptors, a little bit. Actually, the first, I, I think the first big relief I got of anything is when we found out that dogs can't get it. Yeah, that was, was, ba- that like, was big oh, for me. Yeah, I've been looking at I've been thinking that, like, I'm never going to have this much time at home again. So I've been looking more um, 
more thoroughly at foster opportunities. I think I've said before on the podcast that I foster pretty regularly, um, but my two usual roommates are both gone right now, so it would be just me. But this is probably the most time I'm going to have at home. But all the dogs that have come up for foster the last couple of weeks have like a ton, a ton of issues. And that's like usually the point sometimes, like you want to help yeah. in those situations. But I just don't know that I could deal with anything negative happening. Yeah, well, I think uh, Pavle at The Athletic, who who's actually a big part of uh, organizing our response to, and, and keeping us healthy, he adopted uh, or no, fostered or, or at least part, part-time adopted a uh and a senior dog and i think that senior dog has now found a home in san francisco but uh awesome. but uh yeah there are certainly I, I i haven't looked into this but it's my belief that there are more opportunities to do things like that too uh to help out yeah. the animal community for you know seniors who aren't able to do that or who can't you know properly take care of their pets mm-hmm. right now because uh because of the conditions so that's another way to look into it uh to look into helping and uh yesterday on our walk walter sniffed a, a discarded mask so that was great <laughs> that really At least he didn't eat it yeah, yeah, yeah. grab it yeah that that really made me feel great uh pavle by the way who every time he sends a message i think it says page Stoyakovich. yeah <laughs> that's true i i have the the same uh the same first reaction i think shout out to charles hamilton hit the pager like i play with Stoyakovich. uh we should talk about the toronto raptors I a guess. little bit I mean, if we're going to pivot from anyone, it's former Toronto Raptor, Peja Stoyakovic. All-time three-point percentage leader, I think. Yeah, I think he's at 50%. Yeah. He's two, he went 2-4 or 3-6 of six or something like that. And he's still ahead of let's Matt Thomas. Ta- let's save that for a future episode. <laughs> Is he still ahead of Matt Thomas? Uh, I'd have to double check. I think Matt Thomas might be ahead, but he also had Matt Thomas had a bad game right before the, uh, of course. Right before the break. So, um, I'll check. Matt you. Thomas is all the way down to 46.7%. Oh, no. Uh yeah, it's gonna he's gonna have to get hot when when this ends. Yeah. Uh so we will be talking about probably lots of things like, hey, remember this guy, Peja Stoyakovich played two games with the Raptors? Um we're gonna talk about all sorts of stuff over the next couple of months because the NBA is on hiatus for the foreseeable future. They have obviously if you're listening to this, you know by now, um the NBA has suspended operations indefinitely, uh, at least thirty days, but the CDC is recommending eight weeks without gatherings of 50 plus um if you were paying attention to the testing stories of the utah jazz and the toronto raptors over the last week or two you would know that the traveling party for one team is greater than 50 people that's before factoring in the other team and the arena staff and any ancillary staff that are necessary Um, so a ban on gatherings of 50 plus people would effectively mean no basketball somehow they still intend to do wrestlemania out of the performance center in florida that would seem to me to be a gathering of over 50 people, but maybe they can do it with um, tents and separation and things like that. Maybe you're the Raptors, uh, maybe you're taking in like a match at a time and then the wrestlers file out <laughs> like the yes. four wrestlers and you're keeping it at like 48 consistently. Yeah. You might have to. Um, so it looks like we're in this for the long haul. On the positive side, so news came down, just to refresh you a little bit, news came down Wednesday night that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID-19. We later found out that Donovan Mitchell and Christian Wood were also positive. Um, The Raptors had played the Jazz the Monday prior and then been back in Toronto for two days. Um, Wednesday night, there was a Norman Powell bowling event for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Toronto where a handful of Raptors were out. Um, 
you know, the, the ballroom said they had taken extra precaution in terms of cleanliness and hygiene, and there was a level of separation between players and fans. Um, there was also a Nick Nurse Foundation launch at Hotel X in Toronto. That was a little bit more intimate. It was a, a dinner. There was a lot of meet and greet. Um, from what I saw, people stayed away from handshakes and were doing the elbow dap and stuff like that. But people were posing for pictures, speaking closely. So there was a lot of concern when this came down. Not only that Raptors could be infected because they had played the Jazz, um, there's also the concern that the Raptors had since unknowingly been around other people and, and could have spread it to other people at Hotel X or at the ballroom, um, anyone else they came in contact with over the two days prior. And then there's the element, too, of because a lot of people are carrying this asymptomatic, we're finding out, um, there's a possibility that a Raptor had given it to Rudy Gobert, and then you would have to trace back to, did a Raptor have it earlier, and did they give it to another team, or did they get it from another team? And, and you kind of get this quick spiraling um, connection where every team, I think Jared Dubin for 538 connected basically every team across the NBA and NHL in a matter of like five or seven days. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but basically you could trace this across the NBA and NHL through um, games against each other and arena sharing really, really quickly. Um, also the things like, you know, Stanley Johnson was playing for Raptors 905 that night. So then you have two G league teams and it just could have spiraled on. Fortunately, the Raptors went in for testing late Wednesday night into Thursday morning. We found out Saturday that they'd all tested negative. Um, there was that one outstanding test that came in a little later that eventually came back negative as well. So the Raptors got the all clear. The Raptors are staying under the advisement of Public Health Ontario, which for most means a 14-day self-quarantine. Uh, Chris Boucher had to issue an apology on Monday for violating that quarantine before the team got their results which is not a great look, Chris Boucher. You didn't need those groceries yourself. You probably could have got someone to help you out. Um, so hopefully they're all being smart. We've seen things like Matt Thomas set up a gym in his apartment. Serge Ibaka set up a gym in his apartment and do chores on a live stream. And Serge Ibaka is really, really leading into this. Uh, a lot of video game playing. Malcolm Miller set up a Twitch stream. A lot of the guys play, um, what's the one game? Fortnite. That's yes. the one. Is Fortnite still yeah. big? Like how? Like, I mean, I saw guys posting playing it. Yeah, like my nephew was into that. It seems like eighteen months ago, and it's still huge. Anyway, so that's kind of the background on what's happened. I'm, again, I'm sure anyone listening to this is aware of the situation and has kept up. Um, but there you go. If you haven't, uh, the Raptors got the all clear on tests, but they are self quarantining or socially distancing per the recommendations of Public Health Ontario, which we hope you guys are doing as well. Obviously, Ontario is kind of shut down and you don't have much choice anyway right now, but um, be smart and be safe out there, please. Now, with the NBA down for as long as it's going to be down, there are endless questions that we're not going to know the answers for for a while still. Things like what happens with the regular season, what happens with the playoffs, what happens with the salary cap, what happens with next year. We don't know all of these things. They're things that we will explore. Um, I dropped a mailbag on Tuesday at theathletic.com um, to try to start to answer some of the Raptors-specific ones of these questions. We're just not going to have a lot of clarity for a little bit still, unfortunately. But content will not stop. Um, if you're listening and you're not a subscriber to The Athletic already... I would understand the hesitance given that there's not live sports to talk about the next little bit. However, Eric and I had a call yesterday and we basically laid out what the next couple months are going to look for, like for us in terms of ideas. And we think we have a pretty good 
Um, a pretty good suite of things coming your way. A lot of it retro focused, of course, what if focused. Um, I'm going to try to do some things across sports. Uh, I'm also going to teach myself Python and R. So maybe I'll get to do some data. I heard you were just going to play Super Nintendo. N64. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah, I got my hands on a copy of WWF No Mercy. So that's that's going to take up a little bit of time. Uh, if you're not a subscriber yet and you care to be, um, we have 40% off right now. If you go to theathletic.com slash we the six, that's the number six. Um, you know, had, if you, if you wanted to go back, you could look at things like Eric and I discussing who's going to start for the Raptors when everyone's healthy, which immediately looked silly first because Norman Powell got injured. And then, uh, because of this situation, uh, there's a lot you could go back to. Eric and I both tweeted out some evergreen stories of ours that are uh, unlocked for 48 hours right now. I think that extends until Wednesday morning. Uh, my preseason Terrence Davis profile, uh, a thing Eric did on Patrick Patterson as a glue guy back in the day. Um, my mailbag went up today. And then we're going to have some some fun things, I think, moving forward. Uh, the G League season is expected to be canceled soon, so I'm going to wrap up the 905 season with... Uh, with a kind of report card style thing. We're going to look back at some historic stuff. We're going to try to contextualize the current moment as best we can in the event that a season returns or that we roll right into 2020, 2021. Um, we got some stuff planned. So don't, don't run away from us yet. Uh, we're still going to have the podcast. <laughs> I mean, keep your also. distance, keep your distance from us. Yes. Yes. Physical distance, but online. Uh, we think we're going to be able to make this at least entertaining and, Obviously, sports are not anyone's biggest priority right now, but we also understand that they are a helpful distraction at times. It's nice to be able to take half an hour out and, you know, put put your mind on something else. I always find that, you know, writing is one of my best coping mechanisms and, and like it's it's helpful for me to have lots of work to do. So I will want to still be doing stuff, but we think we have some ideas. So theathletic.com slash we the six, that's the number six, you can get 40% off. Um, I think you could probably go to that link. Probably, there's probably a seven-day trial if you just want to check it out as well. So, Eric, some of what? the things we will be writing and talking about over the next couple of weeks, we should touch on briefly now because there's a lot of near-term fallout, at least through the lens of the worst-case scenario, where the season is lost. We don't know that that's going to happen. It's Adam Silver has conceded it's a possibility um, what's the biggest, what's the thing that like first comes to your mind of if we lose this season or even if it's abbreviated and it ends up being a weird playoffs where it just like, doesn't really feel like a nat like a yeah. proper end to 2019, 2020, what's the first thing that comes to your mind in terms of like, oh shit, we're going to lose this or we're going to miss this or, or this has fundamentally changed. Um, first of all, uh, whenever anybody says the ballroom, again, the site of Norman Powell's thing, I think of the community episode where Jeff and Britta, it's Troy's birthday episode, and Jeff and Britta can't end up arguing uh, to go to different bars that end up being the same bar. They're arguing that they should each go to a bar that oh, right. is the same. And Jeff says, oh, I can't remember the name. It's kind of gross, but kind of classy. And it's the ballroom. Um, nice. so that's what it makes me think of. Uh, the biggest thing, like, man, this team deserved and deserves a chance to defend its title and to write its own season, uh, and write the, its own ending to this season. Like it, it was such a good story. Um, such like a fun team to watch, like the, 
the narrative arc and, and just what was going on in the court game to game, like it was, it was like really joyful and like beyond like any future ramifications, any cap ramifications, not seeing this team in this current state again. It's mostly that like whether the season is like, I think we can agree that it's very, very, very unlikely that they're going to play their remaining 17 or 18 regular season games and then a full playoffs. Like that's just not going to happen. And even if it did somehow, there will have been this unnatural two to three to four month pause in the middle of the season that changed everything about it. Like, uh, so it really sucks. Like on the scale of sports related things sucking, like obviously not most important, but this was one of the best stories in the NBA. And now it will, it fundamentally changes to a way we're not going to remember it the way we would remember other inspiring, you know, underdogish sports stories from recent memory. Uh, and they were just, they were so fun to watch on a nightly basis. And, and, uh, you know, I still wasn't sure what their ceiling was. I'm still not sure what their ceiling was. The way they'd done it had been so remarkable. And uh, you certainly lose the through line of that story. And that really bums me out. Yeah, I mean, and that goes for more than just the Raptors too, right? Like everyone deserves to be able to tell their own, the end of their own story. And like, I'm sure, I'm sure there are Clippers fans who see the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George pairing as maybe, if not a short term pairing, you know, a shorter term peak as those guys kind of enter the back half of their, their peak years. There are Lakers fans, surely, who might think that, you know, not that we should ever bet against LeBron James, but this might be the last time he could turn back the clock like this and have an MVP caliber season at quite this level. Um, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, who are trying to convince Giannis and Tittacumpo to stay long-term, and their playoff fate this year may or may not have swung his willingness to sign that Supermax this summer. There are a lot of teams um, like that. You know, the Boston Celtics are probably happy because this is one year where they'll be able to use an excuse uh, for not turning their regular season success into playoff success. Um, you know, <laughs> Don't they, they, pile they on Boston a- right now. They're, they're oh, in, they're what in, else are we supposed to do? They're in mourning. No, as I as I tweeted earlier, it's nice for them, for the Boston Scheidenfreud, Scheidenfreud uh, to provide us a sense of normalcy uh, in this tough time. I'm, you know, most of us are loving this. Yeah. Not, I mean, not, look, not the Brady- Celtics, to be clear. Tom Brady leaving. Yeah, Tom Brady out. Mookie bets out the Celtics get to I guess it's it's nice for Boston sports though because like now they'll have that as an excuse right they don't have to they don't have to run another player out of town or finally admit that Brad Stevens is a little overrated or anything like that they can actually they can, they can just be, blame it on the situation yeah they can be actual underdogs and then not excel <laughs> yeah anyway um so yeah I, I agree with you that like you know not only did the Raptors deserve that because of the season that they're having? But, like, this was supposed to be kind of a pivot year. Um, like, a run it back, but through the lens of develop Pascal Siakam, develop Fred Bibley, develop OGN and OB. See what you have for when you're starting to piece together what the next core will look like. So, Kyle Lowry has a year left on his deal, sure. He is having probably his third best season at age 33. Uh, he turns 34 next week, I believe. 
Is he going to be able to do that another year? It's unclear. Marcus Gasol and, pa- and Serge Ibaka are both free agents and are centers in their 30s. Fred Van Vliet is a free agent. Um, and man, I don't know if there's anyone in the league who could see a bigger swing in free agent situation based on what the NBA and MBPA agree to with the salary cap and whether they're smoothing um, and just basically how they handle the 2020 offseason. Like, we were talking about not that long ago before his last injury, Fred Van Vliet maybe having priced himself out of the Raptors range of like, you know, maybe the Raptors were comfortable in the 15 to 20 range. Well, you had these bad teams with tons of cap space and needs a point guard who might throw 25 at them. Well, if league-wide cap space shrinks, Van Vliet is going to be in a weird spot. I don't know that there are many free agents who could be as affected as Van Vliet by how the league handles the salary cap stuff. I was going to say that after my first thought, which I, I just talked about, Van Vliet was pretty much my second thought. Um, it would be pretty difficult. I think Zach Lowe with Howard Beck on, on Zach's podcast was talking about he would like to see if they did agree to cap smoothing terms uh, for this instance, he would like to just be a fly on the wall in the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder war room. Uh, given that they didn't cap smooth last time, which played a part in Kevin, a big part in Kevin Durant going to Golden State. And if they were to cap smooth this time, you know, which would have a, a, which would actually help out the teams that have built cap room now, uh, as opposed to, uh, the last instance, which, which also ended up what they decided not having cap smooth, smoothing also helped out teams that had cap room. Uh, and, and so that more works against small market teams that are, are building around the stars that they've drafted. The Oklahoma City Thunder would be pretty pissed off <laughs> if if that happened, I think, and rightfully so. Uh, but from Van Vliet's perspective, um, yeah, like if, if they do not cap smooth and – you know, there's really as massive of a hit, you know, you have to remember the China situation, uh, the preseason situation happened this, this year as well. Like who knows how much BRI, uh, basketball related, uh, income is affected by this. Uh, and you know, and we won't know for however, how long, but uh, I imagine it will be huge. It could be up in, you know, the double digits digits and percent or whatever, however you want to quantify this. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if there is a huge hit and if there, um, and if there are no cap smoothing implements uh, or or measures implemented that, you know, Van Vliet looks at the market and says, screw it, I'm going to take a one-year deal and I'll bet on myself again. (laughs) Like that, that, might be the play. It might be the play for a lot of guys who are free agents this year. You know, not that there are that many who are likely to cash in on multi-year deals, but the ones that are, uh, maybe, you know, like Brandon Ingram, like, wouldn't he rather, you know, even though he's going to get maxed out in whatever scenario is, uh, comes, like, wouldn't he rather maybe wait until next year when the max probably jumps up a bit? It's, uh, and maybe, I mean, there's still the injury risk there. Yeah, and maybe you can write things and that you can write it away in the contract to eliminate some of those uh, those concerns. And we've seen time over time that that people, you know, a lot of a lot of people as restricted free agents 
or, you know, coming toward their extension, they want to lock in and make sure they get that first bigger payday, regardless of what it is. Like, you know, me, you know, getting $50 million now as opposed to getting $70 million later is a loss, but it still, it guards against, as you say, entry risk or any other sort of risk. But it could be a scenario in which it's so massive that it doesn't make sense for these top end of the class players to do anything but take a one-year deal. Now, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it, it's got to be on the table, right? Yeah, and I mean, Van Vliet's a, an interesting one because, like I said, I think it it probably affects his market more than anyone just if, if the limited amount of cap space shrinks up because he is one one of, if not the top free agent who isn't expected to, you know, command a max or isn't an RFA. Um, you know, and then... You talk about one-year deal likelihoods. Well, like I was already in a situation where I thought the Raptors might try to sign one of the re-sign one of their centers to a one-year deal, and maybe that they're more amenable to that now. Um, you know, a guy like Abaka is probably still looking to cash in a multi-year mid-level, but like that changes that, um, especially if they don't smooth. Now, I will say this is this is something I will eventually come around to writing about. It feels too there's too many uncertainties right now. It also, this feels, this thing I'm about to say feels a little too opportunistic and cold given what what will be causing the cap fluctuations. But if the league does not smooth the cap and it goes down in 2020 and then spikes up in 2021, they're actually, like, the Raptors stand to benefit from that a little bit because it could suppress Van Vliet's market. It'll lower Siakam's max contract because it, that max contract is based on uh, a percentage of the 2020 cap and it doesn't go up if the 2021 like his contract will always be tied to the 2020 cap um so you could have a scenario where suddenly you get van vliet and siakam a little cheaper and then the cap spikes back up in 2021 and you have even more cap space than you anticipated as you're star chasing it and maybe you don't have to you know at this point maybe norman powell declines that option because he looks like a, a positive asset value um but also maybe you don't care if he if he picks it up and that's another piece of, of your core for that time. Uh, a lot of what ifs there. Siakam's an interesting one too, um, because you know while Van Vliet had more a more obvious um, financial, like this this hurt, this potentially hurts him financially in a more obvious way. Obviously, Siakam has the his deal being tied to uh, a percentage of the salary cap, and also if he had made second team All NBA then there are escalators in his contract. He he currently stands to make 25% of whatever the cap is in 2020, but that jumps to 28% if he makes second team All-NBA, 29% if he makes first team, and 30% if he wins MVP. I think we can rule out MVP and first team. I think were we picking, I would probably not have him, like, not probably not, I would not have him on my second team All-NBA, but he had 17, 18 games toward the end of the year where he could have continued to make that case um, to try to get on second team instead of third team or third team instead of no team that wouldn't escalate his contract. But, um, you know, that, there's a there's a swing there. And if you think he was going to start figuring it out and trend back upwards, uh, you know, there's possibly a loss there as well. Uh, and then I think more to the, you know, I know people don't not that many people care about the cap specifics and stuff. You also lose 18 more games of Pascal Siakam getting experience in this number one guy role. And we've seen lately 
you know, how he's going through ups and downs with that, but also maybe starting to figure it out late in games. Um, that's a quarter of a season of lost development time for a lot of guys too. And that'll impact some rebuilding teams maybe more than it does the Raptors, but that's probably a big loss for Siakam. For sure. Um, like you, I, I I don't think he was ending up on second team all NBA this year, but it will not do him any favors for the 2020 uh, cap to, to uh, dictate the terms of his contract. And uh, the lost reps are big. Like he was set to go into a few playoff series. And if the Raptors held their positions, maybe you get one where there's no surefire defender um, who was going to stop him if it was like Brooklyn or Orlando uh, without Jonathan Isaac. There wasn't really a defender who was set to give him that amount of trouble. And, and so he could have eased into the playoffs and really learned how to be that number one uh, scorer in a playoff situation. And then who knows what would have happened in a series against Boston or whoever. But I, I, think, I do. Uh, <laughs> against uh, Boston. When we when we write our when we resort to writing our fan fiction for the whole season, uh, you can you can uh, get uh, more. You can reveal more of those details. Um, sure. I did I did think about just writing the season in fiction. Uh, maybe that we save that for when the season is canceled. If the season is, canceled. I think we should save that until you're not mental health, but like until you're the most deranged that you're going to be during like once you feel like you've hit a bottom in terms of stability then write it because i want it to get i want it to be even weirder than your mckechnie thing yeah yeah no um yeah my my wife was reminding me of how much fun i had writing that piece so it wouldn't be a shock if there's some fiction coming from me whether it's on the site or or just on my own computer i don't know um but uh but we'll see back to siakam uh yeah like those those reps are a big deal for him and it um having a young developer and now this goes for boston too with jason tatum and uh everybody has their own this this doesn't help anybody from a player development wait was jason tatum starting to get good i think i've already erased that so here's a question that uh, yeah we're we're in the midst of doing a bit of an atlantic division roundtable and one of the questions on there is who do you think the best player in the atlantic division was this year um the dream has no memory of that there's no (laughs) who would your answer be for that to acknowledge jason tatum um i don't know that's a tough question i know I went Tatum and then Lowry, but like Tatum, Lowry, Siakam, but like it's really close. And like Ben Simmons is right up there until he got. So is Joel Embiid. Uh, Yeah, like that. that, Yeah, I had Embiid fifth just because his like some of his metrics are down, and he's been obviously out of the lineup. And he only played forty-four games. Yeah, and the Sixers were obviously underwhelming, but uh, I think. But I still think Joel Embiid is the quote-unquote best player in the division. He just hadn't been the best player in the division this year. Um, I don't know. I might be tempted to say Lowry was having the best season, but I'd have to dig in a little further on Tatum's numbers. A few people did answer Lowry, and you can certainly make the case. Um, and, and I, I, I know that people might be surprised to hear us say Lowry over Siakam, given Siakam's been the number one scorer. But he's also, Siakam's been up and down in that role, and Lowry's been better defensively. And 
obviously as a playmaker and kind of has done more to raise the floor of the team. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just like maybe I just see a window to give Lowry his due one more time. Yeah, <laughs> we're running out of time. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, Man, Tatum Tatum's numbers are wild though. Yeah, I that I mean like, I had to go with Tatum. Like he's he's just made such a leap, and like even if his defense has been overstated, he's still a really good defender. Do you think he, I don't think he's a better defender than Siakam, but I think he might be like a little bit more consistent man to man. Yeah. Like Siakam's more important to a better defense because it's like, like the Raptors rely on Siakam a lot in their zones and as a scrambler and like a switch and recover guy. Whereas um, Tatum, you know, is probably a little bit more consistent guarding one-on-one. Well, and Boston doesn't use as many weird-ass, or doesn't as frequently use as many weird-ass schemes as the Raptors do, partly because of the things you're mentioning, right? Man, I can't believe how close their numbers are. Um, Yeah, like... It's just the matter is, one was trending up and one was trending either neutral or down, depending on... For anyone who's curious, Siakam was averaging 23.6 points, 7.5 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Tatum was averaging 23.6 points, 7.1 rebounds, and 2.9 assists. So scoring and rebounding essentially the same. Siakam with a small playmaking edge. Tatum with a slight edge in steals. Um, They are averaging almost the same, like within a minute per game of each other. Uh, Per 100 possessions, things tilt slightly more towards Tatum because the Celtics play a little slower. And then their true shooting percentages are almost identical. Their free throw rates are really close. Their three-point rates are really close. Uh, Rebound percentage is almost identical. Again, Siakam's slight edge in assist percentage. Their usage rates are identical. Statistically, they are very, very close. Tatum does have an advanced stats edge in terms of win shares and BPM. Uh, I don't have player impact plus minus in front of me, but I would imagine he's doing pretty well uh, by that metric too. Although Siakam is, I believe, a top 30 player by PIPM. So, um, they are, that's, that's a really, oh, basically, sounds- yeah, it's what you said. It's like season, season long, they're about the same, but because Tatum was trending upward, maybe it favors him a little more. Well, this is something we could maybe dip into at some point, uh, on the right. Well, it sounds side. like you guys already are, right? Well, I mean, uh, it's not as in depth as everything you just said. So uh, maybe I just mean we could, we could blow it up. Sure. So Tatum has a slightly better advanced stats case. Siakam has a slight edge in playmaking, and otherwise their statistical profiles are almost identical. Uh, cool. Yeah, well, um, I don't know how much there is to, left to say about Siakam. I mean, it's it's pretty bad for him. This is not good for him. Um, it's not good for the Raptors from his development curve perspective. Uh, we can wait on judging how the cap will impact him, but uh, I mean... Look, I, it's like you were saying, like talking about the cap just seems cold right now. And I don't think either of us really wants to do it too much right now. We're also like 40 minutes into the podcast. And yeah. I think we have done a good job of setting up, uh, talking about the, you know, the most immediate impacts. Obviously, the biggest of which is that the Raptors might not get the finish. What was a really fun story of a season. Uh, I hope they do. I hope. Obviously, I think we all hope that there, something gets done, but it'll hit a drop-dead point at which that's just not feasible. Um, who knows when that is. Um, but yeah, hopefully they get a chance to at least put their own wrap on it. Who knows what this kind of break will will do for guys and do for teams. But that is the kind of stuff that we'll be talking about over the next 
four weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks or who knows how long. Um, so stick around with us for that. Again, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six for 40% off a subscription to the written side of the site as well, where we'll have lots of stuff, um, some fun uh, backward looking things, some fun what if kind of things. I think we'll we'll be able to keep people engaged and entertained um, during what promises to be a long and occasionally frustrating break. Eric, outside of work, though, what do you intend to do with this extra little bit of time you have now? Um, I am concerned about how I'm going to get my exercise in. I'm really not much of a, like, I have a calf injury, so I can't just go outside and run. Um, And so, and I'm not like great at making my own plans and and doing body weight stuff at home. And it's not like there's a ton of room to do that anyway. Uh, So I've got to figure out a way. Go use surges, Jim. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I've got to figure out a way to do that. There are definite pop culture holes that I'm looking uh, in my life that I'm looking to fill. I've never seen the Godfather uh, movies. So (laughs) I have those recorded. I'm going to watch those. Um, I don't know how I'm going to watch them because they're HBO shows. Like maybe I I get Crave or something. Uh, I want to watch both uh, Deadwood and uh, The Leftovers. Like those are both pretty like things I've wanted to watch and, and haven't watched in the past. Um, those are what jumped to mind so far. Um, you know, right now it's it's just sort of getting in a, better routine than I'm in, which like I is waking up way too late and taking naps throughout the day. Like I, I like a good nap, don't get me wrong, but I've been a bit too over-reliant on it. I, I'm certainly, I haven't been as productively or, per, you know, I haven't been thinking enough about how I'm going to make this time work for me. Uh, and I got to I got to get to that, but first things first, I guess, is is just settling down and getting in a bit of a work rhythm. Yeah, I suppose we uh, got to do that, eh? Yeah, uh, I guess I would say if I were going to give some recommendations for people who are not accustomed to spending a lot of time at home and working from home, um, I have found that treating it like an actual workday is helpful. Like I get up in the morning and. If I'm not, if I don't plan to go to the gym in the morning, I'll get up and shower and like get dressed. Yeah. Um, I know that you probably want to make, take advantage of being able to be cozy at home while you're working for a little bit, but longer term, I found it helpful to like, just get it, keep in those routines. And then as I saw, so I forgot, I forget who wrote this. Make sure you switch and uh, switch from your sweep sweat, your sleep sweatpants to your work sweatpants. Yeah. Um, and the gym used to be a big part of my plan for that, but I'm going to have to shift it to outdoor running and maybe some DDP yoga. Oh yeah. Let's get a sponsorship from him while we're, uh, while we're, uh, away. I haven't heard him, although I guess I've listened to fewer wrestling podcasts lately, but, uh, uh, I haven't heard him advertising on podcasts as much. Yeah. I don't listen to podcasts, so what do I know? Not much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I guess... Not what you're going to be watching yourself, Eric, but do you have any show recommendations for anyone who's looking to fill some time? Uh, yeah, I, I tweeted out a few days ago a few lesser known shows that I uh, that I really like. Uh, and, and, you know, I think everybody's being like, great time to rewatch The Wire or The Sopranos. And, and yes, you should do that. But uh, some lesser known shows... Uh, 
party down uh, two seasons, Hell 10 yeah. episodes each. That would, among my favorite shows um, of the last decade, uh, you got Adam Scott, you got uh, Lizzie Kaplan, uh, you got Ken Marino, uh, you've got Jane Lynch in the first eight episodes before Glee made her something of a TV star. You've got the perpetually... Uh, Doesn't she get replaced with someone great? Isn't yeah. it like Megan Mullally or something? Um, yes, Megan Mullally comes on in the second season. Um, that is awesome. Um, and you've got Martin Starr, who is the <laughs> best part of everything he's in, uh, invariably. Uh, which brings me to Freaks and Geeks. If you haven't seen Freaks and Geeks, uh, just one of the best high school shows of all shows set in high school of all time. Uh, Terriers, I'm always repping for Terriers, just a fun um, buddy, com- not buddy comedy, but although there is comedic dialogue, but a detective show in which uh, the uh, two lead detectives have just a great chemistry. Uh, again, another all-timer for a one-season show. I'm a Veronica Mars, especially the first season. Uh, that's some good watching. Uh I'm sure. Did you have better off Ted on your list? Too? I did have better off Ted. I, like full disclosure, I don't know how well that show holds off, holds up, rather. Um, and if you're looking for something a little bit more somber and sort of reflective, uh, the show Rectify about um, somebody who gets off of prison uh, of death row and re reintegrate and reintegrates into society. Uh, just a beautiful contemplative uh, show. And at times it's very dark. It's, it's pretty slow and, you know, it, it's not like, it's not something I would recommend for somebody who like needs a cliffhanger every episode, but it, it's one of the shows. And now I, I did watch it in sort of the height of my of an anxiety and depression episode, but it really, really impacted me emotionally, and uh, I would recommend it uh, if that's more your speed, if you can deal with a slower speed and and something that is a bit more introspective. Yeah, those Any, are. I, I haven't seen all those. Yeah. But anything you want to throw out there? No, I just I I recently watched Mr. Robot and I basically spent the whole time assuming that Evil Corp in Mr. Robot was the same corporation as from Better Off Ted. Yeah, what was it called? It was like, like Verizon yeah. something Dynamics, Viridian Dynamics maybe. Viridian Dynamics, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and they had those awful commercials. Yeah. <laughs> those are probably still YouTubeable if you just write uh, um search Viridian Dynamics on YouTube, you can probably see those those commercials uh which which should give you Um, a sense into this you know the sense of humor of the show uh the only one that i think i would add to the list and i think you tweeted it because i know it's one of your favorites but the end of the fucking world is yes uh really good also and is yeah both both you watched the second season oh and sex education yeah uh we just started watching the second season of sex education uh just before our trip we haven't gotten back to it but i'm sure we will it's not as good as the first and i think that'll probably be the that's probably the case for the end of the fucking world as well yeah. but um in both of them elite first seasons and pretty good follow-ups yeah 
Yeah. Musically, I'd say Los Campesinos probably strike the proper note right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a hard time not listening to very, very sad music lately. It's been a lot of Phoebe Bridgers in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I saw you You tweet in your mailbag. You had your top 10 albums of the of, decade. Of the decade. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel... As well as I always, Spotify playlist. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, I feel... I just assume music is so much more personal than television that it's yeah. more difficult to recommend things. Like, like it, it's so... There's so much stratification now, and and so little of a uh, of a monoculture when it comes to music uh, that I never feel great about it. I you know there are bands I love, you know Los Campesinos, Titus Andronicus, um, the old you know the last two Symbols Eat Guitars records. I, I I know a lot of people haven't heard of Symbols Eat Guitars. I, I think those last two records are are really good, but. You know, we're all coming, we're both coming from, you know, even though it's not exactly the same genre, we're coming from primarily rockist, uh, you know, guitar-based music more more often than not. And that obviously isn't the dominant, uh, you know, in terms of pop culture, the dominant form of music right now. But, you know, you, we both have other recommendations. I just, I don't feel that I've listened to enough, like, especially over the last, when I turned 30, it's like... It's like the old cliche, you turn 30 and then you just immediately stop being cool. Um, not that I ever was particularly cool, but I, I just, my, I listen to far fewer new, new albums now than I, than I did in, you know, my mid twenties, 10 years ago. Speak for yourself on that one. I get cooler every day. Yeah. Speaking of such, uh, I want to go play WF No Mercy. So let's, uh, on the N64. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's wrap this up here. Um, Everyone, please stay safe and stay smart out there. Um, keep up with what's going on and follow um, things like social distancing protocol as experts are advising. Um, be safe. Be smart. We will be here in podcast form and in written form uh, to help you kill some time and hopefully keep you entertained. You can go to theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six for 40% off a subscription to The Athletic right now. Um, and we will be here probably once a week finding... New things to talk about. Uh, if you have ideas that you want to hear us dive into on the podcast, feel free to tweet them our way as well. Um, and with that, um, we will talk to you guys next week. Please stay safe. Eric, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Blake. You stay safe, too. See ya! See ya!